0: and fam we're so glad you are here today Uh, my name is Matthew if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet and uh, at the risk of stating the hopefully incredibly obvious I am a man I uh I've never been a girl nor desired to to be a female I did have to dress like one one time at my bachelor party but that's another story that you will probably never hear I uh I have a wife Two daughters, three sisters, three sister-in-laws, a couple, uh, one mom, a mother-in-law, and have been surrounded by ladies many, many times in my life, uh, which means that I am exactly as ignorant as any other man as it relates to the female life and soul. Now, generally, men are pretty simple beings, right? You, You say kind things to them. You give them lots of food, uh, give them a, a gentle rub down every once in a while and throw some sports on TV and they are content and happy and will grunt away the day and be, be satisfied. Women, on the other hand, are like this magical labyrinth of complexities uh, that we find so incredibly intoxicating. They. They, they mesmerize us with their beauties and their slyness and their looks and oh their looks that one look means 17 different things and you need a decoder ring to figure it out it is a work of art that only a god and a creator could could make women are much more different and it's not just the biological differences that are clear between men and, and women there are so many other things again Uh, you could give a man the exact same birthday card year after year and he probably wouldn't notice. With With a woman, you bring her roses and chocolates and you are the hero until next year. You can't bring the same gift next year. One time it might be cute. The second time you're a lazy bum. You can't reintroduce the same gift to your woman for at least seven years. Then it becomes nostalgic at that point, and you could maybe get some creative throwback points. I believe with all of my heart that God created men in his image. And I believe with all of my heart that God created women equally with the same value and potential to bear and reflect his full image. He created women in that same way. It's not one is greater or less than. That is an incorrect way of thinking. Our God equally embedded and installed his life and characteristics into the male soul and into the female soul. Genesis 1, 27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. In Genesis 2, uh, we see a more zoomed in picture as to how humanity came about. God gives us a little more detail. In Genesis 2, verse 18, he says, Then the Lord God said, it's not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable. Many translations excuse me, say, I will make him a helper comparable Complimentary, completing. I I will make him a helper suitable for him because the dog wasn't cutting it anymore. Cats weren't anywhere close to the right feline companion for him. Like, Like the elk, it wasn't enough. He couldn't just fish and hunt all day and be satisfied. There was still something to add to the value and the completeness of who he was. I haven't found, and I will make a suitable helper for him. So, verse 21, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, which isn't difficult. Put golf on TV, a recliner, and he's out. I will cause a man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, God took one of man's ribs and then closed up the place with why the rib why not why not another why not another bone i believe it was the rib because god intended men and women to stand side by side as partners creating and stewarding the life that god wanted for them if he wanted one to lord and rule over the other he would have used an ankle bone but he didn't he used a rib and the Lord God made from, made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man, for she was taken out of man. It was the very first pickup line ever used right there, ladies and gentlemen, Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Some of you married men, feel free to try that pickup line on this afternoon and see if you can fall into a nice deep sleep as well. I don't know if it would work for you or not. Hashtag marriage humor. For she was taken out of the man, and this is why a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife. That word united in the Greek is the word dabak, which means to passionately Pursue. It's not just some one time thing, it's an ongoing pursuit. Fellas, your job is to ongoingly pursue your wife. I thought I'd get a few more amens from the female <laughs> mouth, but that's fine. It's, uh, you know, whatever. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and unite to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. And then sin showed up and messed it all up. Distorted it all, twisted it all. And the, the identity that was once clear in the image of God now became distorted in their lives. Genesis 3.16, we see the result as God was declaring to them, this, this is what you can experience now that sin is in the world. This is what he said to the woman. He said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. And with painful labor, you will give birth to children. Here's here's the part I want you to catch your desire will be for your husband, but he'll rule over you. God wanted us to experience life as a gift. This is what we discovered last week when we were looking at, at men, how God created men to be sons. In his family, God created us to experience all of life that it'd be satisfying and full. He gave it to us as a gift. And in Adam last week, we saw that sin causes us to experience life as something that we must work for. You gotta work for it if you're gonna have a satisfying life. That's what we saw in in the person of Adam. This week, I want us to see that through the lens of Eve's experience. Through Eve, we see that sin causes us to think that we must be worth it if we're ever gonna experience anything good in life. You gotta be worth it. You've gotta be worth it. In the book Captivating by John and Stacy Eldridge, I, I find it a, a great help, and it was a great companion this week as I was studying. And if you've never read the book, I encourage you to go pick it up. It explores Um, the female soul and the heart of women and how God created and is captivating and wooing and chasing and pursuing and really speaks of um, the feminine life in a God-honoring specific way that is both strong and holy and wholesome and without shame or brokenness. And it's a beautiful articulation of God's desire for the female life. And uh, on page six, it, it describes it like this and I'm going to read it word for word, and it's a female author, and it sounds really weird when I say I in the middle of a book, but just it's the author, it's not me. If I need to read it in a female voice to help you, I would almost be willing, <laughs> almost. It says this, it says, I know I am not alone in the nagging sense of failing to measure up, a feeling of not being good enough as a woman. Every woman I've ever met feels it something deeper than just the sense of failing at what she does, an underlying gut feeling of failing at who she is. I'm not enough, and I am too much at the same time. Not pretty enough, not thin enough, not kind enough, not gracious enough, not disciplined enough, but too emotional, too needy, too sensitive, too strong, too opinionated, just too messy. The result is shame the universal companion of women. It haunts us, nipping at our heels, feeding on our deepest fear that we will end up abandoned and alone. After all, if we were better women, whatever that means, life wouldn't be so hard, right? We wouldn't have so many struggles. There would be less sorrow in our hearts. Why is it so hard to create meaningful friendships and sustain them? Why do our days seem to be so unimportant, filled not, filled not with romance and adventure, but with duties and demands? We feel unseen, even by those who are closest to us. We feel unsought that no one has the passion or the courage to pursue us, to get past our messiness, to find the woman deep inside. We feel uncertain. Uncertain that it even means what it even means to be a woman. Uncertain what it truly means to be feminine. Uncertain if we are or ever will be. Aware of our deep failings, we pour contempt on our own hearts for wanting more. Oh, how we long for intimacy, for adventure. We long to be the beauty of some great story, but the desires set deep in our hearts seem like a luxury granted only to those women who get their acts together. The message to the rest of us, whether from a driven culture or a driven church, is just try harder. Unseen, unsought, uncertain. See, sin shows up in our lives and makes you feel like if you don't have it, that satisfying life, it's simply because you don't deserve it. You're not worth it. And the lies stack in in our lives. There are three I feel like universal needs in the life of every female, needs like security, affection, and a sense of connection. These three are the, are the longings deep within the heart and at the seat in the heart of every Female, and, 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 and in a desire to satisfy these longings, we often create substitutes and chase the wrong things. We, we grasp for our own approach. We, we pick up our own fig leaves, if you will, for the security and affection and connection. You find yourself in a moment where you don't feel appreciated, so you just go buy something nice to make you feel that way. We don't feel loved, and so you seduce For the love, or you slip into a fantasy novel to escape only to crave a little bit of that authentic emotional connection that is longing deep in your heart. And you feel alone, so you allow yourself one more scoop, grabbing some more comfort foods, and you lose yourself in a movie because you know the outcome is good at the end of that story. And you are craving that sense of security to know that it'll turn out good in the end. See, this is why I think the writer in Proverbs says, above all else, guard your hearts. Now, while this idea of feeling secure and having affection and a connection, it is generally true of all women, it is often true of all of us. And whether you find yourself uh, in a season where you can relate fully or you know someone who can relate fully, the reality is we have this thing in our heart and, and Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because in your heart, at the heart of who you are, it is the very seat of the essence meant to reflect God, but often it reflects something other than God. And it's at the seat of who we are and the struggle becomes real. Here's the big idea today, is I want us to understand that God wants every female to be captivating, but first you must become a daughter who is captivated by the love of her heavenly father. You will not fully be the image of God that is irresistible, that, it, that brings glory to God, that is captivating of the world around you. You will not be fully alive in who you are and your identity, ladies, until you first become fully captivated by the love of your heavenly Father because it is God who is trying to shape and work something beautiful, redemptive, and amazing in you. And so he's the author of it, and he's the one who wants to write and author your story to bring redemption and healing and hope to any elements of brokenness. He wants to silence the shame and and quit the critics and give you the satisfying life longing in your heart in a way that only God can do the question is how do we do that how do we become fully captivated in those ways I want to give you three things today number one is this how can we become captivated by our heavenly father number one pursue relationship with God above all pursue a relationship with God above all other relationships now there is no secret Um, our lives bear it out and science would bear it out that women are better at relationships than men. You've been training for relationships since you were a little little girl, playing Barbies and story and house. It's like you were born to, to create healthy relationships. We just like kill things, destroy things, and like shoot things. That's a totally different approach to relationships. But I want you to notice something in Genesis 3:16. God was talking to Eve and he says, your desire will be for your husband. Your, your desire, the, the desire in your heart will be for this, this relationship. Your desire, this word desire means to reach out and grasp for. You're reaching and you're grasping for this relationship. Now it's a little tricky because in the original language the word will be in that, in that, in that verse isn't actually present. The English translators added it in there to make it more gra- grammatical, uh, accurate in that way. They, they were really trying to help it be more readable in those things. But what it does inadvertently is it makes it sound like God was creating a command. You will do this. But that's not actually what God was saying. That's not God, that, God wasn't commanding this on her. He was explaining the result and the damage that now will be caused in your heart and soul. Because sin exists. So in other words, this is the warning God was giving to Eve. And he gives to every lady. Your sinful nature will want to replace your relationship with God for any other human relationship. You're going to want to replace your relationship with God with a relationship for a man. And make it be the most important thing in your life. The most highest priority in your life. But don't. That's what sin would want you to do, but that's not God's design for you. You, 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 Sin's going to come in and say your relationship with your kids has to be your most important relationship. And so for many women, they replace the relationship with God with the relationship with their kids. And we pursue human relationships like the relationships with the best friends. And so we want to have everybody, every young girl is looking to define who is my BFF, and they're in kindergarten. And it goes from there. Why? Because the longing is to replace a relationship meant for God, a seat in your heart that was meant for God to sit in. You replace it with every other human relationship and end up feeling unsatisfied. Listen, if you're going to become captivated by your father, the way you do that is to make a decision to pursue a relationship with God above every other relationship. It has to become the most primary relationship in your life. I've got to be honest, friends, and that's simply this, that in our day and age, it is easy for parents, men and women alike, to replace your relationship with God for a relationship with your children. And children have become a comfortable idol at which we live our lives based on their schedules, their wants, their needs, their cravings, their longings, rather than living in a way that says, we're gonna do this God's way, we're gonna pursue God first, we're gonna put him first. Above all else, we are pursuing God. And it's just a result of this misplaced thing in our hearts. Your desire will be for this human relationship, but it shouldn't be. It should be God that, that is that space in your life. I, I want to talk to those of you that are single or you find yourself single again, and I want to be very, very clear on something. I think the church has been a little murky and inaccurate in this, this matter. Just because you don't have a man doesn't mean you are missing something in your life. Young ladies, just because you don't have a man, it doesn't mean that there is something inadequate or broken within you. Listen, we all have brokenness, and God alone is the one that can heal it. But your life won't be better or worse whether you have a man or not in your life. That's not the status. I know, I know sometimes we want to go to college to get that MRS degree. But that's not the end-all, be-all. Don't replace your relationship with God for a relationship with somebody else. I think at the end of the day, the most important thing is that we learn to cultivate a deep pursuit and passionate relationship with Jesus. See, when you are pursuing God fully, you become alive completely in him. In him, you begin to live and move and have your very being. And it's incredibly, incredibly attractive. When you are spiritually alive, it becomes attractive to the world around you. It draws people towards the Lord. Not spiritually snobby, but spiritually alive. Not not, not the spiritual critic of other people's lives, but spiritually alive in you see when your desire is towards god then you have like this this natural inclination that it seems like you're playing hard to get because there's not a man that can replace the god in your life and so it just makes the men chase it all the more harder and men need a chase and if the man waits for you to chase him he's insecure and he ain't worth your time anyways not near enough amens in the house of god Let God heal you, let God complete you, let God be the sole satisfaction that you long for and crave. I got to tell you the most attractive, uh, the the two, two things that caught my eye first about my wife. We were in Bible school, her eyes caught me before my eyes caught her, I have to be honest. And to this day, I'm still doing everything I can to repay that debt that I owe her. There are two things that just captured my attention of her and made my heart beat even faster. Two things. One, the way she worshiped God with complete passion and purity. It was amazing. There was something about it that just was drawing and intoxicating and just lured me right in. And the second thing was her eyes. I would catch a glimpse during our chapel times. I had the sense that somebody was just staring at me. Only to look and lock eyes with this blonde-headed, blue-eyed beauty. And her eyes were like piercing into my soul, but in the best possible way. They were loving and kind and strong and mysterious and silent, but not silent. And I was just like locked in. And then once she knew she had my eyes locked in, she would give me this little smile. And I was mesmerized. Yes, Lord, what did you need from me, Lord? Like it was over. When you become spiritually alive, you become formed and shaped in the image of God. And eyes can be opened and God can bring you to the right person when the time has come. But until that time has come, don't feel like you are less than secondary or something is missing. Ladies, come fully alive in Jesus, in your relationship with him. Pursue it and your heart begins to be captivated. Not only do you need to pursue a relationship with God above every other human relationship. Secondly, I think you need to, we need to pursue a walk propelled by faith, not by feelings. In other words, we need to pursue a walk that is, that is based on convictions anchored in the truth of God's word, not by the emotions that we're feeling in a moment. Now, Scripture is full of emotional language. Talks about joy and tears and anguish and pain and anxiety and laughter and sadness. Emotions are a gift from God, but they are not fully God in your life. The Bible says we need to walk by faith, not by sight. Emotions are a part of the human experience. It's how we see and experience and express things. It's a gift from God. Emotions are meant to be this dashboard of your life, not the dictator that runs your life. You want me to say it again? Because it was tweetable. Emotions are meant to be a dashboard for your life, not the dictator of your life. Emotions are a gift from God. But when your emotions aren't anchored in the truth of God's word, it's easy to get off course. Think about it. Eve was deceived to eat the fruit because it was an emotional experience. It was an emotional decision Eve made to take the fruit and disobey God. Go back and read it in Genesis 3. You'll see things like when she saw that it was pleasing to her eyes. Pleasing when it was desirable emotions. She thought it must be good, and I need it in my life. She was deceived by her emotions. Listen, emotions are not sin. Emotions are not bad. Emotions, though, are a dashboard that reveals what you are currently believing. The problem is what you are currently believing might not be truth, capital T. They're telling you the truth about something that you're believing in that moment. But they may not be full truth. And so we have to learn to not be governed by our emotions, but recognize that our emotions are something that God has given to us to recognize. It's a dashboard of what we believe, but they are terrible dictators. Controlling and making every decision for us. Look at Psalms 38. Look at the words and the language in this psalm. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Hashtag mom guilt. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. What a depressive state that must be. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. When your emotions are controlling your life and they become toxic, it shows up in your physical body. Physical pain is often an indicator of emotional unhealth and a spot where God has not yet healed. There's anguish in my body. I'm feeble and utterly crushed. All my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds. My strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. Those who want to kill me set their traps. Those who have harmed me talk of my ruin. All day long they scheme and they lie. God, they're talking about me. Those girls, they just won't stop it. And I am like the deaf who cannot hear, like the mute who cannot speak. I have become like one who does not hear, whose mouth can offer no reply. Listen, here's what we do in those moments when our emotions are trying to dictate everything. This is what it says, Lord, I will wait for you. I will wait for you. You will answer, Lord my God. Listen, emotions are great dashboards, but they're terrible dictators, which means that when you, our emotions are overwhelming you, men and women alike, when your emotions are overwhelming you, the best thing to do is stop, pause, pause. And like the psalmist says, I will wait for your answer, O Lord. So pause and stop. When your emotions go crazy, stop and pause and simply do this. Ask the Lord, God, where are these emotions coming from right now? What is the root of this? And what do you want me to do? Pause and ask the Lord where it's coming from and how to move forward. Pause. Don't allow your emotions to dictate your response, to dictate what you do next. Pause and wait on the Lord. If we're gonna become captivated by our Father, we, number one, pursue a relationship with God above all other relationships. Two, pursue a walk propelled by our faith in God, not our feelings in the moment. And number three is this. Pursue the formation of the image of God within you. Pursue the formation of the image of God within you. Psalms 27 verse 4 says this. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this I do seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Don't miss this. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. The formation of God's image in you, the formation of the true image of God into the female soul is when you are willing to pursue and behold the beauty of the Lord's presence. When you behold the Lord, you end up holding to your ways less and less. When you look towards the Lord and you pursue him, all of a sudden the other pursuits of life start to loosen their grip and you start to recognize that the more I see of the Lord, the clearer my eyes get at who God is, his character, his nature, his, his life. Then I get that into my own heart and my own soul and it transforms who I am. So I reflect more of him and less of me this is the beauty of the lord did you know that one of the key descriptors all through scripture as it relates to the lord is beauty i've never looked at another man and said oh you are beautiful beauty is typically a characteristic or a word to describe the female life a woman Why? Because that's the character of God. That's the reflection of God in them. Beauty is powerful, like a waterfall. Beauty invites us like a garden to explore. Beauty nourishes us like a mom nursing a baby. Beauty comforts us like a mom whose son is in distress. Beauty inspires us. My wife makes me want to be a better version of me i want to be a better man the more i discover the beauty within her beauty inspires us beauty is transcendent it's like glory in fact there's a scripture in ephesians that says that man is the glory of god but women is the glory of man there's something beautiful and transcendent about the female soul when it is fully captivated by the father those are characteristics of God. You know, in, in the life of men, especially husbands, there's a pattern of a person that, that God says, men, if you want to be good husbands, if you want to be good contributors in your relationships, in society, in your workplace, live like this person, and the person is Jesus. Again, we, we see in scripture that Jesus becomes the pattern that men are supposed to follow. Jesus was a prophet, he was a priest, he was a king, and he was a servant. That was the way Jesus lived his life and that's the way men are supposed to live their life and the relationships that they have with their spouse, with their kids, with other people, in the workplace, whatever relationship, that's the characteristics. Now, I wish I had time to unpack it, but I don't. It'll be for another day and another sermon. But God also gives women a pattern. Someone else, another person that they can pattern their life after. Why? Because if, if men begin to live like Jesus as prophet, priest, king, and servant, they reflect the image of God, the image of Christ in the world around us. But when a woman gets to know God and submits her heart and they begin to follow their pattern, they begin to reflect the image of God. Do you want to know who it is? The clue is given in the purpose for which she was created. It's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to prepare for him a helper. Greek word, parakletos. There's one other person referenced as the paraklete for our lives. Jesus talked of him often. I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who won't leave you alone. See, I believe where men find their pattern spiritually of of reflecting the life of Jesus, women find that their often role in a relationship is similar to that of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is our companion. Scripture tells us the Holy Spirit is our comforter. The scripture tells us the Holy Spirit is our counselor. Scripture tells us the Holy Spirit is our convictor. The the scripture tells us the Holy Spirit is the connector of our lives. Think about it. Think about it. Often when, when women in relationships, they are the companion that is necessary. They are the, com- the, the comforting voice when things go wrong. They are the one that gives wise counsel and insight. And they're the ones that's always got input. They've got something to say. They've got an opinion to share. There's an input to be given that's reflective of the character of God. A convictor. Like, ah, that's not right. Moms with the eyes in the back of their heads watching all the time. Ah, that finger is conviction enough. Run the whole world with that finger. And they're a connector, they connect relationships naturally. My wife helps me connect to the needs of my kids. Hey, I think the kids need this. I think you need to do this. I think you need to say these things. I think you need to talk to them about this. They're constantly helping me connect to my own emotions, helping me connect to, to my kids and what's needed, helping me make sure I'm connecting to the right people. Like, I don't think about those things. I'm a dude, but God has given me a gift. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. That was an idiom, a way of saying she is the strength that I need and the weakness that secedes mine. She's like better than my strength and better than my weakness. She's everything I'm not. Like the Holy Spirit who shows up in our lives to do all of these things. The danger is this, though. The danger is that we often will replace or substitute These purposes that God made us to live out for our own selfish indulgences because of sin. And so instead of being a comforter, many women settle for being a critic. And instead of being a counselor, they settle for being the commander. And instead of being a connector, they result to being a controller. And instead of being a companion, they result to being a competitor feeling always threatened that something else is taking their place. That is the result of sin in our lives. It's not your personality. It's never been God's intention. Those are the results of sin in our lives. God created life to be a gift. Well, because sin shows up, it often causes us to live chasing after, trying to find value in something other than him. I came to tell some ladies today that there is a Savior who wants to remedy the effect of sin in your life, who wants to silence the shame that often shouts at you, who wants to help you come fully alive to who God created you To be. He's the Savior of your life, the Savior of your soul. God's purpose for you is to live a life that is satisfied because of your Savior without shame, without comparison, without trying to grasp for controlling every area and arena of your life, your kids' life, your workspace. He's trying to help you loosen those chains that have bound you. And redeem and bring fully alive the person who you were made to be. You know what I love about Jesus and his life and ministry? He never was degrading towards women. Always noticed them, treated them with value because he knew that God created them in his image too. In fact, Jesus often would elevate women to a place of partnership within his ministry. Elevated them to a place where they had had a seat at the table to be in the room and to be his followers. It was women that he entrusted the message that he was alive. Women have a place in the kingdom of God and in our world. Why? Because they were equally made in the same image that every man was made in. The image of God. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. Let us make mankind in our image. In the likeness of them He created them. Male and female. Don't let sin ruin the image of God that He wants to bring alive in you. How? Trust your life to the Savior. Pursue a relationship with God above all others. Pursue a relationship with God above all others. Pursue a walk propelled by faith, not your feelings. And Pursue the formation of the image of God within you as something beautiful, Reflecting the image of God as a companion, comforter, counselor, convictor, and connector. As we come to the Lord's table and pause a moment for reflection, would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second? I want you to stop and pause. Let's turn our hearts and attention to Jesus right now. Would you close your eyes and if you can, just maybe put your hands out in front of you representing your Your own heart and your own life for a minute. Some of you today, you need to turn your allegiance to Jesus. You need to surrender your life and invite Him to be the Savior of your life, restoring that satisfying life that He wants to bring. In fact, that you, you can begin simply by praying this prayer with me I'm going to invite all of us to pray it aloud just say Jesus I confess that you are Lord you are the Savior I surrender to you I pledge my allegiance to follow you may your spirit make me alive I confess my sins and my need for you make me one of your sons and daughters in Jesus name as we still sit here in this moment and we pause to reflect would you just begin asking the Holy Spirit what are you saying to me today I know we talked primarily about the female soul but man what is God saying to you today the Lord's table, flick inward, continue to ask the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us, helping us apply these truths. Let's come to the table of the Lord. The bread represents his body which was broken, purchasing healing for you. Today, I believe there are many in the room and watching online. You've been wounded in your soul. And in this moment, God wants to bring healing to some of those deep areas of your life. Some of those things where you have felt, maybe the shame controlled by those things. Lord, would you bring healing to us today? Let's remember the Lord's body through the bread together. And Lord, as we get ready to take the juice, we remember that it was your blood that was poured out at the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, setting us free, making us new and whole. Lord, we thank you for setting us right on the inside, allowing us to live in right relationship with you, our Heavenly Father. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, let's take the juice. Now, Lord, today, as we get ready to go from this place, as we get ready to go about our days and our weeks, Lord, would you help us to pursue you above all other relationships? Would you help us to recognize that it's about having a conviction of faith in who you are and the truth of your word, not feelings of a moment? Lord, would you help us to allow your image to be fully shaped and formed in us this week? In the name of the Father, we pray. His Son, Jesus, who loved us and died, and the Spirit, who is always with us, bringing comfort to us when we need it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, friends and family. I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link, and when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If, you're, if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.